We are in our fifth message this morning on uh, the, the armor of God. And we're going to look at this morning the shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? I've been quoting this every week. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, where the Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Oh, the imaginations that come into our mind that are not rooted in the Word of God. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness, and a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I hope we can memorize that. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. And we have... Uh, armor that God has given us because of the very fact that we're in a battle. We've been looking at this now, and uh, we we looked at the very fact that we need armor. We've looked at our belt of truth. We have looked at the breastplate of righteousness, and we have looked at those gospel combat boots that we have on, that we're supposed to be having on. And I want you to notice before we move along into the shield of faith, I want you to notice this morning the order and the flow of truth and the order of the armor. They, they, they run parallel here. It's really neat. So watch this. When God, in God's economy, when God deals with us, when He, when he bring, gives us information and truth, the truth of the Word of God comes to us and it enters our mind. That's where all information comes. It starts in the mind. Now I'm going to make you think a little bit this morning. After I turn that on, the mind and the brain are two different things. Your mind you will always have with you. The brain is just an organ. The older you get, the, it begins to shrink. Yeah, we lose brain cells, and sometimes they never come back. Right? But the mind we have, the mind is, is a part of our soul. And so truth comes from the Word of God, and it enters into our mind. And then when that truth is believed, it goes from our mind down to our heart, And once it gets into the heart, it inevitably comes out into the actions, into the feet, and the way we walk, and the where we go, and what we do. So, you notice the order of that. We hear, and then we believe, and then we do. Do you see that? Now look at the armor. The armor starts with truth. And then it moves to the breastplate of righteousness, which covers what? The heart. And then it goes where? It goes from the heart to the shoes that protect where we go. So if we're hearing and believing and going, we need armor to protect the mind, the heart, and the ability to move in the direction that our heart wants to go. Many times have you, you heard this, the, the, flesh is, the, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And many times our heart desires to go, our heart desires to obey, but sometimes the feet have trouble getting there. Why? Because they get attacked. Satan attacks the direction of our life sometimes. And we need the protection of our shoes. And the protection of our feet, that protection is what we saw last week, the preaching of the gospel, the gospel of peace. So the order of the armor comes in the same order that truth affects our life, the mind, the heart, and the feet. And we know that the armor has to be strong. We've got to have, do you know it's possible to have insufficient armor? Do you know that if you read through history and through ancient times, 
armor um, uh, grew, I should say, or changed as technology changed. You can see our military go out today. They're not wearing metal male coverings and metal uh, gloves and metal big metal helmets that cover the whole face like a Roman uh, soldier. They don't wear that anymore. Number one, one lightning strike and you're done. I mean, phew. it's heavy. It's hot. It, it, it will not hold back a 50 cal. Won't do it. <laughs> okay. Armor has changed. Well, most of our armor today isn't going to hold back 50 cal. But uh, armor has changed. Though. We have Kevlar now. We have, uh, we have technology. But the armor has to be strong enough to withstand the onslaught that you're dealing with. Now, back in ancient times when Paul was writing, what they were dealing with were swords and axes and those things called morning stars, that big metal ball with spikes on it on a chain. Oh, I just that thing frightens me. Could you imagine hearing that thing coming whistling at you? No, you just, you know, tell your friends goodbye. It's over. But they had arrows, and then they'd get real smart. The Dukes of Hazard did not invent, invent flaming arrows with dynamite on it, okay? That was, that was old, man. They were, they were late to the story. But they would get these arrows, and they'd light them on fire, and they'd shoot these, these arrows of, on, on fire, and it was terrifying, Absolutely terrifying. But the armor that the military that was facing these, these enemies, their armor had to be strong enough to withstand the onslaught of those weapons. They weren't dealing with tanks. They were dealing with arrows. So the metal, metal, uh, that we see here in the armor that Paul is talking about, the, 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 the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes, the preparation of the gospel, those, they were all sufficient and adequate at the time of battle. The armor has to be strong enough. And it is possible to have armor that is thin and easy to penetrate. That's possible. Could you imagine going out to battle with, uh, I don't know, just a jacket on? When we were kids, don't anybody try this at home. This is a disclaimer. The 4th of July, we'd have our own fireworks wars. (laughs) We were so ridiculous. And we'd shoot fireworks at each other. We had big teams, and we'd get yeah, we get on either side. And a friend of ours, he got hit with some whistler. It was a big rocket, and he we just we he whined all night long. That hurt, that hurt, that. And we're like, quit whining. You're such a girl. Cut it out, you know. We cut a couple days later. He'd gone to the hospital. Had like third degree burns, and we're like, oh, okay, all right, you're all right. Here you go. Sorry. No, we used to do this stuff. You know what you do? You'd put some armor on. You'd, you'd just set up fortresses and all sorts of stuff. But when you ran around with just your T-shirt on, listen, that's not going to stop a rocket. When you're playing paintball and all you have is a T-shirt on, it's not going to do much to it. And listen, as a side note, the armor has got to be thick enough to withstand the onslaught of the enemy. Now think about this. If truth is armor... The belt of truth, it's a part of that belt. It also held up the, it held up all the garments for moment, for, for mobility. It was also where they stored their sword and their weapons. They put them in that belt. If truth is a part of the armor, now follow this, it stands to reason that the more truth you have, the heavier your armor is going to be. The more equipped you are with truth, the more prepared you're going to be for the battle with that armor. Does that make sense? What about the breastplate of righteousness? The more you obey the truth, 
That's what, that's what righteousness, obedience. The more you obey the truth, the, the thicker and thicker and thicker that breastplate of righteousness becomes that you put on that covers the heart and protects the heart. The, the, the more you have a desire to obey, the more you obey. Listen, the better that armor gets. The, listen, the, the gospel shoes, they're your armor. The more you spend your time spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in your neighborhood, on your work site, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, however you find a way to do it, the more you do it, the thicker those shoes get. See what I mean? So as we obey the Word of God, as we go with the gospel, as we uh, fill our mind with the truth of the Word of God, that armor that God has given us becomes stronger and thicker and more capable to withstand the onslaughts of the of the devil. So the opposite of that is true, though, as well. The less we do, that armor is thinner and thinner and thinner. You know what I've noticed now? A couple of you preachers know this. For years now, we've been watering down the message. People have been watering down the message of the Word of God. They've been tickling the ears of the hearer. They've been calling Bible believers, they've been calling them Pharisees and legalists. Oh, can I define legalism for you? Legalism is adding anything to, to grace to merit salvation. Legalism is works to be saved. We Listen, living a holy life and desiring to be right with God and desiring to obey the God is not legalism. That's just the normal Christian life. That's what a child does of a parent. They obey. They do what they say. It's not legalism, but that's what we've been called for years and years. Now we've been called legalists. They, they have minimized holiness. They have attacked the Word of God. And all the while, because of their desire to make the Christian life easier, you know what they've done in turn? You see where I'm going here. They've given Christians thin armor. They've given them a bunch of thin armor that's, that's not able to withstand in the evil day. And now pastors everywhere today, you can hear them. They're lamenting the worldly carnal conditions of the ones they've tried to accommodate. Oh, I, can't, I don't know why they're living like this. Because you haven't given them thick armor, preacher. It's your fault. Because Jesus promised us the abundant life. His desire is that we live in victory, not defeat. The rules of the Bible, oh, rules, rules, rules. You know what they are? They protect us. They're armor. They, they are armor. The rules of the Bible, they're our defense against the onslaughts of Satan. So we need to read and study and memorize the Word of God. Yeah, absolutely. What's that do? It just builds up the truth. It thickens our armor. We need to do what we've read and studied. We all, I know, listen, we're all human. I'm human. You're human. We struggle in that area. I know we do. But when we struggle, we need to just get alone with God and ask Him to change our heart so we have a desire to do what we know. When we do that, you know what we do? We have more armor. We need to take what we're reading and doing and we need to tell the world about it as well. So simple. Why? It's our armor. That's why. It's because it's our armor. So the next piece of the armor that needs to be thick and able is the shield of faith. That's what we're looking at this morning in verse 16. Look at this. In your text in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts 
of the wicked. Now the Roman shield in Paul's day was called a scutum. S-C-U-T-U-M, that's the Anglicized spelling of it, scutum. It was about four feet tall. It was about 16 inches wide. It was about 30 inches deep. And it was, it was curved. So the only way I can imagine this or, or, or relay this, some of you have probably seen these. If you were to take, does anybody burn trash anymore? I love burning trash. Yeah, you got a burn barrel. If you were to take that burn barrel, isn't it weird that you love the smell of burnt trash? Do you like that? There's something, maybe it's just, maybe it's just, uh, what is it, nostalgic or something? You know, I don't know. I was burning trash one day, and a guy, where a building I rented, he, he was from Oregon, and he comes out, are you allowed to burn trash? I'm like, yeah, you weren't allowed to burn trash. You can burn your cat, you can burn your car, you can burn whatever you want out here. Man, it's awesome. Anyway, you could take that burn barrel, <laughs> yeah, squirrel, and cut it vertically down, and you'd get that concave, and you'd have about, about what a shield would look like. Take the burn barrel, do vertical cuts, half that barrel about, you would have almost what a shield, the the size and the shape of what a shield may look like. The Roman shield weighed about 22 pounds. It was two layers of glue, of, of wood that they would glue together, and they would, then they would put on a layer of canvas, and then a layer of leather. And then on the top of that, they would have a metal frame along the top of that, 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 that uh, shield. So if they came, if they were in a battle and they were coming through on horseback and the swords were coming down, it couldn't go through that metal. They could still get behind that under that shield and protect themselves. And then on the front of that shield, they they had a thing that was was called a boss or an umbo, and it was this metal round thing like a like a cone that would come out. It would go right on the center of that, and it would also could be used. The handle was in there, but it could also be used for punching, for pushing through with that shield that had that, that thing on it. So the shield obviously shielded them from arrows, and it shielded them from swords. As I said, the metal on the top of that would keep the swords from coming down upon them. And what the troops would do so many times is they'd form a long line and they would interlock themselves in, in this long line. And if they could stay in cadence, those, those shields would o- almost overlap and they would create this almost impenetrable wall as they went forward, gaining ground. ground. Paul said to stand. This is the whole the context here about standing your ground in this, in this fight against Satan. They could stand their ground and they could gain ground with, that, with those shields that they went in front of them. And in this type of military, at this time of, the, this time of uh, history, this, this was an awesome piece of weaponry. This was not the little round shield that they used in co- hand-to-hand combat. This was this, they would build a whole line. And they couldn't get through it. The arrows would bounce off. They could stick in it maybe. They were not going through the shields. And what they would do also when those incoming, what the other armies would do from over 200 yards away, they would begin firing all those arrows. They could fire thousands at a time. They said it was terrifying to hear the sound of all those arrows coming at once. And what they would do, they'd get behind that shield and they'd cover themselves up. And they would protect themselves. Sometimes they would get into a circle and they'd have the shield all around them. And they'd have people in the middle that would stand and put the shield horizontally. And they would create almost what would look like a turtle shell. Impenetrable. 
And so what they could do, after, as they could move forward with those arrows still coming, when the arrows were run out and they were right on the troops, that their enemy, they could, drop the, they could drop the shields and they could be in battle and they weren't really ready for it. It's incredible. Incredible tool of this shield. The scotum was 90% defensive against the attacks of the enemy. It was about 10% offensive. It was a defensive, this is a defensive tool. This is a defensive piece of armor. And Paul is drawn once again from the Roman military to illustrate that we are in a battle. And that we have been given armor. And this shield is the next segment of the armor that God has given us as believers. So the Christian shield, what is this thing? This is our shield. It's not for the unbeliever. They don't need it. It's for us. And do you realize we have a shield that nobody else has? We have a shield that nobody else needs. But we have this shield. And he says here in 16, above all. Now notice this. This has to do with our, Paul is now given a command here of taking on the shield. And he starts with the word above all. See that? Above all what? Above all of the armor that's already listed. He's already listed three segments of this armor. Now he's with the shield and he says, Above all, taking the shield of faith. And like the Roman shield, the Christian shield covers all of the other armor that you're wearing. When you get behind that shield, you get behind a shield fully armored. So it's protecting everything else. Do you know the arrows could go through the other armor they had on? It wasn't sufficient to stop the, the penetration of an arrow shot with those. The, the, some of the English uh, long, uh, longbows were incredibly 180 pounds to pull back, a force to pull back some of those English longbows. And they could go 290, 300 yards sometime if they were strong enough. You know the momentum going behind a little arrow? It's going through that, it's going through that little armor that you wear, that little breastplate, it's going through it. Well, here they are fully... fully uh, fully armored behind the shield. And Paul says, above all, above all, take the shield. It covers everything else. It covers the belt and the breastplate and the shoes. These things protect, listen, they protect your mobility. They protect your mobility. But the shield stops you from the arrows that are a long way off. The other armor protects mobility, but the shield enables you to stand. If you start having arrows poking out of your armor, you're running. <laughs> you're not gaining ground, all right? You're going to have to retreat for a while and figure something out. So he says, above all, taking the shield. And like the Roman army, this Christian shield is necessary for complete victory. You can only get so far with the armor that you're wearing if you're going to have complete and utter victory against Satan, against the attacks of Satan, that shield's going to have to be used. You're going to have to, you're only going to get so far. Because why? Satan isn't going to stop at the hand to hand combat. Oh, he's a lot slicker than you and I are. He's going to shoot and start lobbing things from way off. You ever have things come in your mind and you don't even know where they came from? <laughs> Thoughts, accusations, irritations. You ever say, you ever thought, why am I irritated today? I can't even, I don't even know why I'm irritated. I'm just, 
I'm irritated at the world right now. I don't even know why. There it goes. A few hundred yards off. Yeah, he loves that. He's the accuser of the brethren. Remember that. He accuses you to God. He accuses God to us and he accuses us to each other. He loves to accuse. And he'll fire those accusations from way off and you don't even know where they come from. Yep. So what do we do when they, they get fired off? They, we need a shield. We need a shield. And even though the shield is heavy, you've got to include this thing when you, when you suit up. Now this was another 22 pounds you had to run with on top of all your weapons. On top of all that weight that was hanging off of your shoulders and your head. So he says, above all, taking the shield. And notice this. It's a shield of faith. It's a faith. We've already dealt with truth. We've dealt with righteousness. We've dealt with the gospel. And the next piece of this armor now is faith. Faith. Turn to Hebrews 1.1, would you please? I'm sorry, 11.1. Hebrews chapter 11. And notice what verse 1 says. You could memorize, I mean, you could quote this, I'm sure. You have it memorized. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, what is faith? Here it says in Hebrews 11:1 1, that faith is substance. That word substance means confidence. It means assurance. It's substance for things hoped for. No, this isn't, oh, I hope I get a birthday present this year. Oh, I hope the IRS forgets who I am. Oh, I hope, you know, that, that's, that's wishful thinking, right? I hope, I hope. No, no, this hope is to wait with full confidence. To wait with full confidence. I, I, I hope some of you were raised with parents that uh, were, were all fallible and we all have problems, but some of you may have had parents that if they said something, they by and large, if they could, they did it. And they could say, we'll go to ice cream after church if you're good. And you knew as a kid, okay, we're going ice cream. If I'm good, we're going ice cream, you know. And you can be pretty caught. That's caught. That's hoped. You're hoping for ice cream. How are you hoping? In confidence. You're waiting with full confidence. That's what you did. One time, my I wasn't even on the planet yet, but my I've heard the story many times, and I love it. Uh, my mother had told my brother and sister and other sister that if they were good, they'd go to ice cream. And they they were acting up. And my oldest sister, who was like mother hen, in the middle of church, as loud as could be, if you don't shut up, we're not going to get to go to ice cream. You know, she was telling her brother and sisters. I mean, yeah, they didn't go to ice cream. <laughs> it was loud. Everybody heard her. It wasn't good. Yeah. But maybe you could put some confidence in that. That was something you would hope for, you would wait for with full confidence. It's going to happen. When the IRS says, I'm not even done my taxes yet. Why are they on my mind so much? April 15th is a deadline. You wait with full confidence. No, that's hope. Oh, no, it's not. (laughs) Paul says, or the writer of Hebrews, I should say, says that faith is substance. It's the assurance of what we are waiting for in full confidence. The blessed hope of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That we're going to see Him someday. That if we leave this life before He ever comes back to be absent from the from this body is to be present with the Lord. What do we do? We wait in full confidence that we will see Him. You know what? I wait for that. I wait in full confidence. It'll happen. It'll come. He goes on to say that faith is the evidence. It's the proof. He said it's the evidence. It's the proof of things not seen. But not just invisible, but things that haven't come to fruition yet. That's what faith is. So faith is assurance, and faith is proof. Okay, so what is faith in? Faith is in, we could probably write down two things. The fact that God has spoken. Do you believe that God has spoken? How do you believe that? Absolutely. We have evidence that we can receive or reject, but it still comes by faith. So we have faith in the fact that God has spoken, and we have faith in what God has spoken and what He has said. Do you realize, and we know this, the first doubt in the Bible came from Satan himself when he said, Hath God said? Doubting what God said. And we can say, Yes, He did say. When we believe it and we have full confidence in what He said and what He said is going to come to pass, that is faith. That is faith. So God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. God spoke to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God spoke to Moses Moses and Joshua. He spoke to them. He spoke through the angels. He, Jesus Himself at times took on human form. We call it a Christophany. And he, and, he, and he dealt with human beings in the Old Testament. God spoke through the prophets and the apostles. God has spoken. We believe that. We believe that. 1 Peter 1.20 and verse 21. The Bible says, knowing this first, that no prophecy is of any private interpretation, but for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God who uh, spake as they were as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. No private interpretation. Some guy just didn't sit down and start writing. Why? No man on this planet would write about themselves what the Bible contains about us and about our heart and about our nature. But not only has God spoken, it gets better than this. God has written it down. He wrote it down. Moses wrote the Pentateuch. David and Solomon wrote, wrote, wrote uh, the Psalms and, and some of the, uh, what we might call the uh, wisdom literature. The Old Testament prophets, they wrote. The apostles wrote the Gospels and the Epistles. We even have non-prophets who wrote, like Amos, who said, I'm just a farmer. I'm not one of the prophets and my father isn't a prophet. I'm just a farmer that God has spoken to. And he wrote the book of Amos. Agur, remember Agur in Proverbs? He said, I'm just a brutish man. I'm just a nobody. Shouldn't even be writing this, probably. And he wrote. We have the writer of Esther and the writer of Ruth. We have the writer here of Hebrews, who some contend is Paul, and some may say might be Apollos. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not going to say either way. The point is this. God has spoken, and although everything God has spoken has not been written down, everything God wants us to know has been written down. Please lodge this into your brain and let it, let it swell up and, and hurt you. Uh, God is eternal. God could never come to the end of words or thoughts. 
What we have in the Word of God is exactly what He wants us to have. The Bible even says about Jesus, the books of the world could, I suppose, could not contain everything that Jesus said. We have exactly what He wanted. So we know that God has spoken. We know that God has written it down. And not only has He written it down, it gets better than that. He's preserved it. This is a battle today. You know that? The preservation of the Word of God? That is a massive battle in Christianity today. But I can tell you this morning, we have the preserved Word of God. Psalm 12 said, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. And he goes on to say, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. But if you went back and look at it again at verse 7, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Psalm 12 is not speaking about the poor. In the previous verses of that psalm, People, some people, the people that reject preservation of the Word of God say, well, he's talking to the poor and needy. I don't know about you. If I'm poor and needy, I don't want to be preserved in that state. I want some opportunity to go up, okay? And in context, if you go back, I challenge you to go back and read Psalm 12. The first part of Psalm 12 is speaking about the words of men. The words of men. And then you come down in verses 6, 7, and 8, and we get the words of God. Man spoke, and then at the end of it, God spoke. And when God spoke, it says the words of the Lord are pure. As silver tried into furnace of fire, earth purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them. What is them talking about? The words of God. They're preserved. You know what David said in Psalm 119, verse 89? Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. We have the preserved word of God. Even Jesus himself. Jesus himself said, not one jot nor tittle will pass till all of the law be fulfilled. Jesus spoke of preservation. You ever notice how everybody who has come along after Jesus, purporting to be a prophet, has rewritten the Bible for themselves? And when Jesus came, He established the Scriptures that already existed as being the very words of God, because you know why? He was the one who spoke them, because He's God. Yeah, they're His words. Yeah. So God has preserved His Word. What's the likelihood of that happening on this planet? On its own? Zero. Divine preservation. Forty writers over a 1600 year period of time. Different continents. No technology. And no contradiction. Not possible. Not possible. I did this test with the college class we taught one time in Springfield. And I thought, oh, I hope this works. And I wrote down a note and I said, I gave everybody a piece of paper, a pen, and they were supposed to, I gave the first guy the note with pen and he was to transcribe that note I gave him. And as he passed it along, the next one's to write it on their piece of paper, on and on and on and on through the class. It came back perfect. It was written down exactly as it should have been. Okay? The next time around, I told him. I whispered in his ear uh, and I wrote down what I said. I showed it to him and I said, it, I told it to him. And but. <laughs> In, in about, what, six minutes? The last person said, okay, what did he say? It was so off. It was comical. I showed the note. Fellow, he goes, wow. And you're telling me 
that this Word of God through 40 different writers over a 1,600-year period of time is going to come out with no contradictions without divine intervention? Not possible. We have the preserved, infallible, perfect Word of God. It's the King James Bible, and it's what we use, and we will not be apologetic towards it. It's perfect. Let me, add, let me tell you this. What a better place to have your faith in, huh? <laughs> Do you know our faith is in God? And if it is in God, our faith will be anchored in what He said. In what He said. In Psalm 119, again, David said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God has spoken. God has written it down. God has preserved it. And we believe it. How? By faith. We believe what He says by faith. Now, there may be some opposition this morning. I don't think so. But somebody may logically be, be, be saying, but no, 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 wait a minute. You can't just believe something without a reason. You can't just believe what people say. So you have a blind faith? No, I don't have blind faith. We have evidences all over the place. We choose to believe. Do you know everyone on this planet, lost or saved, has faith? They have the ability. Remember the disciples said, said, Lord, increase our faith. And he never said how to increase faith. He just said, if you had faith as a grain of the mustard seed, you would say into this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it would. He never told them how to increase faith. He said, if you had faith. You know why? Because faith isn't measured in size and quantity. It's measured in length. Faith is measured in length, not in size. Some people say, I just need, I need more faith. No, you just need to keep believing what you believe. Continue there. Everyone has faith. Some people have faith in science. Some people have faith in government. That's hilarious. Yeah. Some people have faith in themselves. You ever hear that? Just have faith. Have faith in yourself. That's one of the worst. I think sometimes that's worse than government. You know, we as believers, we're washed in the blood of the Lamb, we're regenerated by God and filled with the Holy Ghost. We have decided to place our faith in a person, God Himself, and our faith is in what He said. And Paul says, this faith, that faith right there, that's our shield. That's our shield from the darts of Satan. Verse 16 again, taking the shield of faith. The Christian has a shield. And it's our faith. Well, how does it work? How do we implement this thing? I mean, of course, you could see in the Roman times, they would go out and they would, what, get behind the shield. That's really easy. Not a lot to do with that. There's not a lot of directions to read. It probably didn't come with a bunch of printed directions in the back in 14 different languages how to use it, you know. It's pretty self-evident how to use that. Get behind the thing when you start hearing the arrows come, okay? Pretty simple. Do you know getting behind that shield doesn't prevent the darts and arrows from coming? (laughs) Getting behind the shield keeps the darts and the arrows from getting to you. But they are still going to come. They are still going to be fired off. The soldier has to to get behind that shield for it to work. But what about the believer? What do we do with our shield? The fiery darts will come to the life of a believer. They come to me and they come to you. Well, how do they come? They come in doubt discouragement, fear, anxiety, anger. Those are darts. At every one of those points, God has given us His Word of what we should do with all of those things. 
Fear not, for I am with thee. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. He goes on and on what we do with our fears and our anxieties, our discouragements. David encouraged himself in the Lord when he was discouraged. We have the Word of God. And when these darts start flying, we must get behind our shield. When doubt comes, you know what our shield becomes? With doubt, it becomes confidence. When discouragement comes, our shield becomes encouragement. When fear comes, our shield becomes trust and peace. Don't forget, the shield is faith. And faith is in what God said. You see this? So when the shield is implemented, it is being implemented by remembering what He said to counter what Satan said. This is really what it is. When Satan says something, the shield is up when we respond to Satan with what God said. You know what you're doing? You're putting the shields going up. Right there, you're putting up a shield. So how is the shield implemented? For the Christian, number one, you've got to have it with you at all times. You can't leave this at home. You can't leave your faith at home. You can't leave your faith in the Word of God at home. And you've got to get behind it when the fear and the doubts come. You cannot allow them to rule your mind. You cannot allow them to take over. Casting down every imagination that exalteth itself against the knowledge of Christ. That's what you're doing with your shield. You are putting it up. Faith. You're putting that thing up when Satan begins hurling his darts. Listen, you know what? If you don't know what God said, If you don't know what He has said, and you have not memorized what God has said, and you have left your shield at home, you have no protection whatsoever when Satan attacks. This is is why it is so imperative to know the Word of God. We must. You're going to be a casualty. Notice this also, that the fact that the soldier brought his shield revealed this, that he trusted that it was going to protect him. The very fact that he brought it with him showed some significance that he knew this thing was going to work. If you don't trust the Word of God, you will likely never have it when you need it. And then you're going to run around in life defeated. And then what will happen, you'll run around in life defeated, yet then angry, angry at God. So their shield is implemented. It is implemented. Notice what he says. Go back to 1 Corinthians. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All the fiery darts of the wicked. I'm running out of time this morning, and I'm going to cut this off here. God has spoken. God has preserved His Word. God has written it down, and we have faith in what God said. So what is the shield? Paul says it. It's our faith. The shield of God. Listen, when Satan begins to attack us, when the arrows begin to come, we respond to him by saying what God has already said. 
And when we live a life that way, repeating what we believe in the Word of God, that shield goes up every time. And you know what? It'll always stop the fiery darts of Satan. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For him that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The shield of faith is the next aspect of the armor that covers all the armor that you're wearing. We know that other armor is the mobility, but that, that shield protects all of it. Watch, to allow us to stand our ground and to make forward movement in the battle that we're in in this Christian life. The shield of faith. Let me ask you something this morning. Are you implementing the shield of faith? Do you know enough of the Word of God that when the thoughts come to the mind, when the discouragement shows up, when the, de- when, when, when the depression comes, when the accusations come from Satan, do you have enough in the Word of God to say, no, that's a lie, here's why, and to know what God said? Do you, do you know enough? Do you know enough to say, Satan, you're a liar, because God said this, God said that, God said this. We're going to look in one of our messages coming up soon of how to respond when Satan speaks. I don't want to jump ahead too far. But you know, we're going to look one day how Jesus responded. And we're going to see the way Jesus responded is just the same way we respond. And listen, if you don't know the Word of God, you're going into battle every day. And you you may have the belt on, you may have the breastplate on, you might have the shoes laced up. But if you don't have that, sh- that, that shield, you're going to be open to the arrows and the darts. You know, what that, you know what that body armor was for? The hand-to-hand combat down low. Down low. Where we battle in this life, the physical realm, and a lot of times we have spiritual battles in the physical realm. But then we have spiritual battles in the mental realm where that shield needs to be put up. And I'm telling you, if He can get you there, all of that other is going to have trouble protecting you from anything else. If he can get you there, you're not even you're going to be out of commission to, to fight the battle, the one-on-one stuff. You've got to have the shield. It is the shield of faith. And our faith is in the Word of God and what He said. Do you have the shield this morning? Did you bring it with you when you left? <laughs> Are you going to bring it with you tomorrow, I hope, when you go out for the day? We need the shield of faith. Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. I know we had, had quite a bit more here, and I think it's of your, of your design for us just to stop here. And Father, I ask you, God, I know we're in a battle, and I think many, 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 many Christians are living their lives just beat up by Satan. And it doesn't have to be that way. You never intended us to live a life of defeat. And Lord, you've given us armor. I know, I know that's the truth because of just deductive reasoning alone. You gave us armor to be victorious in this life. And I pray you would help us this morning.
as we would come to realize in a greater way, we'd be more convinced this morning than we ever have been and brought to our mind that we need the shield of faith. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to be equipped with your Word so when those darts come, we are ready with the truth that we have placed our faith in. And once we do that, that shield has gone up and we're going to be victorious every time it's implemented. Would you help us to do that and to... And to uh, to remember that as well. We pray your will to be done in the invitation today. Father, there may be somebody here this morning that has never been saved. They may have said a prayer sometime in their life. They may have done something just to get somebody off their back. I don't know. Lord, you know the heart. And there may be somebody here that has never come to the place of realizing that, that they are lost and without you, that they are the problem. And the Holy Spirit may be drawing in this morning, convincing them that they've never been born again. I pray that they would respond today and get saved today. Would you do a work there? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand this